0: Folks have been wondering how I'm going to do this. <laughs> for our opening hymn, for our, our opening hymn, <laughs> for, that's it. I'll just revert back. Split sermon is Ken Barton. Now you know steps have been taken. <clears throat> and uh, if my people is, is my people, message. Sven and Oli were standing out in front of their church. They were holding up a sign. And they were yelling at the drivers going by, turn back, turn back, it's not too late. One guy hollered out, you religious nuts, you need to quit. And they just kept right on going. You'd hear a screech and a splash. Sven turned to Oli and he says, You know, perhaps we should just put up a sign that says bridge out. (laughs) They were trying to make a difference, weren't they? If you've noticed, and this is going to work for a while, I hope, but I've been, my message is I've been trying to come up with making a difference. And that all started from, Mrs. Clinton. Anyway, what difference at this point can it make? And of course, I'm quoting her again. Only this time, I want to address the prevailing attitude concerning the direction in which our nation is headed. It seems kind of fatalistic. Many agree that our nation is going downhill at an alarming rate, faster than the fellows on the ski jump. But there are areas that I think we disagree, some of us. Areas such as what can be done. Is there any hope? Do we just need to get ready and ride the ride and the horrible end times will will arrive and eventually it will all shake out? Or is there something we can be doing to make a difference? And I'm mainly going to focus on America. It would work for me if we made a difference in the whole world. Because I know there's probably folks I, I understand watching Hello out there in internet land. Uh, and maybe it'll make a difference, I don't know. <clears throat> in Matthew 28:18 to 20, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days until the end of the world. Amen. These verses make up what is known as the Great Commission. Jesus telling his disciples and by extension the church, not me, because I'm, 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 I'm a deacon, I'm not a minister. But every and, and spreading the word, anybody can do it. Anybody. Okay? If you, see a, if you see something happen, you're a witness. Okay? If it happens to you, you're a witness. So you can share it. <clears throat> But that was our Lord telling the church that there's work to do. If I were to stand up here now and tell you there's nothing wrong, everything's fine, people will straighten up if we just give them time, then two things would happen. One, you'd be absolutely convinced that I'm crazy or worse. And two, I wouldn't have to worry about ever having to speak again. (laughs) Now, when I'm seeking God's direction on what I'm supposed to say, sometimes that sounds like a good idea. But the truth is, as I've already stated, our world is in a horrible, horrible condition. We are not safe. Crime is rampant. Violence seems to be growing. And many nations are at war or are working to make weapons of war it all seems insurmountable I read a statement not too long ago that stated don't tell God how big the storm is tell the storm how big God is there's a really big storm and it's coming sooner or later that in my humble opinion is fact God is bigger than the storm that is fact he will be victorious I read the book I know how it's going to end but when is the storm coming? A lot of people, have, you know, way sharper than I, <clears throat> have studied and said, you know, when, when the Lord's going to return. And, and he missed so far every appointment that they've made for him. So whenever, you know, whenever somebody really says, oh, it's going to happen on this date, I kind of br- breathe easy. Because it's probably not going to happen on that date. One of these days, maybe somebody will get it right, but you never know. It's like the fellow I saw, a cartoon, this guy standing, and he says, the world's going to end in three months. And this guy says, three months? And he goes, you don't know how long I've had this sign, do you? (laughs) But it's going to happen. When is the storm coming? I don't know. I know God wants as many of us as is possible to be in his kingdom whenever he is through whenever he's finished and it's all done he wants us to be there it is not you know his his will that any should perish i'm sorry second peter 3 9 the lord is not slow concerning his promise as some count slowness but is long suffering toward us not purposing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance Do you notice the last half of that verse not purposing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to be our savior, to be our price, to pay the price. <clears throat> so he wants as many of us to be with him as we can. In order for that happen to happen, we need to Repent. As I read that, you know, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's there's that flip side. Not willing that, but. Okay. <clears throat> the flip side is that is that those who do not come to repentance shall perish if you read it the way I read it. That's usually why that if, but, if then, for you... For you computer gurus, you guys like the if-then statement. Now, I like the fact that the Lord really wants us there. We believe uh, that he wants us, that he's trying to get us there, okay? I'm not really on board for the end to get here too quickly because there's too many that still haven't accepted him, okay? I've got a granddaughter that just turned a year old. important we believe those in the first resurrection will be rulers with God they will help lead others to the understanding right that we will guide those in the second resurrection to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior so they will spend eternity with God also to me that pretty much seems the same as what Jesus told the disciples to do in the Great Commission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone everywhere. We look at our world as it is, and we see that there are many who haven't yet accepted that. (coughs) Or, in firefighters lingo, this fire is still out of control. So, does that mean we just have to get used to things getting worse and worse? Do we just pull back? We had a thing, we're going into defensive mode. If you hear that on the news, the firefighters have gone into defensive mode. They have just built a parking lot. That means get out. It's too much. We can't stop it. It's bigger than we can put out. It is going to collapse, and we don't want it to collapse on us, so we back out. Okay? So is that what, that what we're supposed to do, just back up and watch it burn itself down? <clears throat> I don't think so there either. Throughout the Bible, there are instances of God calling people to repentance and people ignoring him and being punished. Kind of a recurring theme. But there are a few of them where the people listened, repented, and avoided punishment. I like that plan. Not everybody does, but I like it. Jonah wasn't much for that idea. When God called him to go and prophesy to the Ninevites about their impending destruction, he didn't like that plan. So he went the other way. Didn't really work out for him then either, did he? <clears throat> so then, he went through the city. Okay, I'm going to go. He went through and he just told them what he said. Forty days and this is going to be gone. God's going to destroy everything unless you repent. I'm not even sure he said unless you repent. But he walked, God's going to destroy this place in forty days. It was a three-day journey through the town. I wonder if every day, if you... Four, Thirty-nine days, and we got to the other in thirty-eight days. Then he went up on a hill to watch the show. This is going to be impressive. You know, God hadn't warned him it was going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. You need to be way back. So he figured he'd probably go up and watch. God even made him a plant to shade him, so he could sit there in comfort. It <clears throat> didn't work out. The Ninevites, doggone it! They proclaimed a fast and a repentance. The king got off his throne, took off his royal garments, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes and called for a national repentance by all, everybody. You need to get. You need to repent. Wouldn't that be wonderful if our leaders did that? <clears throat> then God saw their repentance, heard their prayers, and he didn't destroy them. Jonah was upset by that. It's not fair. <laughs> Even the plant died and he didn't have any, any shade. I mean, it was just no, just not fair. In Jonah 4.1. But it was a great calamity in Jonah's sight and it kindled anger in him. And he prayed to Jehovah and said, Please, O Jehovah, was this not my saying? When I was still in my land. On account of this I fled before Tarshish. Before two Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God. And merciful. Slow to anger. And of great kindness. And one who repents over calamity. And now O Jehovah I beseech you. Take my life from me. For better is my death than my life. This guy wasn't having any fun at all. And Jehovah said. "Is, Is anger rightly kindled in you? And Jonah went out, okay, I'm, not, I'm, going, to, I'm going to skip over that because that's where he had the shade. And it happened when the sun shone down to verse 8. God ordained a scorching east wind and the sun beat on the head of Jonah so that he fainted. And he asked for his life to die. And he said, better is my death than my life. And God again said to Jonah, is your anger rightly kindled over the plant? And he said, my anger is rightly kindled even to death. And Jehovah said, you have had pity on the plant for which you had not labored nor made it grow, which was the son of a knight, and perished the son of a night." And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 men who do not know between their right hand and their left hand, much less cattle? Okay, he's talking about, as I understand it, Little ones, babies, boys that didn't they weren't old enough yet to understand the difference between right hand and left? A hundred and twenty thousand. How many little ones in America don't know the difference between their right hand and their left yet? God had sent Jonah to another nation. Ninevites were Assyrians, Gentiles. I think this is the first recorded where he went to someone that weren't Hebrew children to try to get them to turn around. I'll hear it later if it wasn't. (coughs) But he didn't make a regular habit of it. Jonah didn't like them didn't want them to be spared. But I want to talk to you about America, our nation. Okay, So we we can probably agree that we pretty much want this place to hang on. Some might not. But again, if we can get repentance, if we can straighten this out somewhat, it'd be a pretty nice place to stay. I remember when I was a kid, it was pretty safe for kids to go outside and play, because I was one. As far as I can tell, God never told us to reach the nations until we just got tired of it. Or were convinced by someone else that we didn't need to worry about it. Because everybody gets another chance after the second resurrection. I don't remember reading that. Satan's real good at telling us we don't really need to worry about it. Don't sweat it. Take a chill pill. God's going to work it out. I believe the way he put it was in Genesis 3, 4, first time he used this line. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. People have been told that after we die here, we're immediately either in heaven or in hell. And we're enjoying whatever our lives have brought us. You don't have to worry about a second judgment, which is kind of not what the Bible says. (coughs) But not only did Adam and Eve die, we've been dying ever since. I'd like to think that I'm never going to die, but, you know, I keep looking in the mirror and somebody's sneaking an old man's face on me, (laughs) you know. My skin is changing. It's not as nice as it used to be. I get actually have age spots, which is scary. <coughs> but you, I'm sure somebody will say, don't worry about it, Ken, you're old. <coughs> but we've been dying. And it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening until the end. So what can we do? Can we make a difference? Yes, we can. We can continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can show people there's a way to receive eternal life. And that there's a way to lose it as well. That what we do can make a difference. Here in America, we need to not give up. We need to not say, well, you know, it's bad. And just walk off. You know, that's just, it's not good. Second Chronicles 7.14 gives us a hint. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves, that's what everybody in Nineveh did. That's what the ruler did. Took off his fancy threads, put on sackcloth, sat in ashes, humbled himself and prayed. Now the next part, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Okay, we've got to go to God in prayer. Honest prayer. Communication with our God. Realize that he is God. We're his creation. He loves us. But he set rules. We've messed the rules up. We haven't paid attention. Need to straighten up. I'm sorry, God. Turn from their wicked ways. Repent. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Doesn't say. If you're just tired of doing with it, you think it's too bad. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. And will heal their land.